As Freud famously said to Jung upon their arrival in the United States for a lecture series at Clark University, they don't realize we are bringing them the plague. Now, lots of people say Freud never said this upon seeing the Statue of Liberty, referring to psychoanalysis as the plague, but Lacan said that Jung said that Freud said it, and who among us is going to let a possibly dodgy game of telephone get in the way of a good story? Either way, bringing the plague to your ears is this episode of Why Theory, recorded with special guest Hugh Mannon of Clark University, the only place Freud ever lectured in America. We discuss CGI, anxiety, The Last Jedi, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Get excited, get the plague, and as always, Thanks for listening. Okay, thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. This is a special episode. You may be hearing a uh, slight difference in uh, audio timbre because we are doing this live. Well, I mean, it's live right now. It's like going to be pre-recorded. I mean, in a moment, so it's not live. But it's th- we have a special guest, Todd and I do. Uh, we are joined today by Hugh Mannon. Uh, Professor of Film and Media at Clark University. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> Very nice. And then Todd, as always, I don't want to say hi. Yeah, there yeah, we go. I That's like how it is. Yeah, you like yeah. to say hi. Uh, so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, cinema and anxiety. And uh, the object, or at least the beginning object of our discussion, is going to be uh, the recent Star Wars film, The Last Jedi, which, put at the top, I liked. But there are things, I know Hugh, Hugh liked it too, yeah. but there are things... Yeah that are beyond liking something that are worth talking about. Uh, do we want to, who wants to start with, uh, with, with leading us off? Well, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can say that the quick thing that, I, uh, yeah. that, that drew me to this topic, which was just simply the automatic comparison I made between the opening of Last Jedi and the opening of A New Hope, which, of course, are both shots, you know, is, uh, shots through space of spaceships mm-hmm. approaching or spaceships in space, planets in relation to spaceships. And, of course, you know, I'm of an age where I saw A New Hope at the theater, Mm -hmm. and, you know, this was breathtaking to people. They couldn't believe what they were seeing with this Mm -hmm. Imperial cruiser and the camera sort of underneath it as the cruiser goes Mm -hmm. above it. And as we watched this last night, I actually counted out, like, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. (laughs) And it's a full ten count for that ship to pass over. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) But I think my thing is that when I saw the opening shot, the corresponding opening shot uh, in Last Jedi, it struck me as kind of like all CGI strikes me Mm. as as insubstantial. And, of course, this is a famous complaint about CGI, but that somehow the the ships that we're seeing on screen feel more like hot air balloons. They, Mm. They feel like they they lack substance, which is odd, Considering they're more detailed, right? Um, the camera movements are more complex. Like everything about it is more, more, more mm-hmm. relative to A New Hope. And so, why is it that the shot in A New Hope is a classic shot, mm-hmm. but no one would ever in a million years say that the opening shot to A Last Jedi is a classic shot? No. So you think in forty years they're not going to say, "Oh, that classic shot in Last Jedi," for sure? I, I almost am tempted to say that in forty years we're uh, we're completely over CGI. Like we're back to oh, science. Wow. I love that claim. Wow. That's, that's so good. That no, that's great. I mean, I think like so. Just one of the things we were talking in the uh, pre-show, like to to take a uh, to go through the the shot. Obviously, this is a, a an 
aural medium, so we can't put the shots in front of the listener. But uh, A New Hope begins with that crawl, and if you just imagine that you're living in a world without Star Wars, where it hasn't been in culture, where you don't understand, uh, like, you know, who these people are, what are the players, what does anybody look like? You've gathered from the crawl that there are two sides. You've got, like, rebels, and you've got uh, empire. You've got an evil galactic empire, and they're chasing the rebels. That's what you know. And so... After the crawl goes away and the words turn into basically like they dissolve into the stars in the in the you know background, we get a moon, a very small moon, uh, way off in the distance, a bigger moon, and then the surface of a planet for like a second, so that we got okay, this is our this is our, our world, this is our, our setting for a second. Then we get this like Scooty Puff Junior little <laughs> ship. Like just like go. That's only the we're only using the technical name. <laughs> only the yeah. Now I forget the yeah exactly. That's a yeah. That's a reference to Futurama. So maybe somebody will like that. Um. So anyway, yeah. So the uh yeah. So the the rebels are going by and they're very very small ship. And then as you're saying, then the uh the star destroyer comes by and we're under it and we can hear it. You know and the surface of the planet that is serving as our like like the base to the image. Mm-hmm. The second, or I should say the instant that the Star Destroyer um, takes up the entire frame of of that, like it's as big as the surface of a planet, that's when we cut away and we go to the front of the ship and it's been shot at and like it's going to about to be overtaken. And like that's, you know, for one, that it's the motion of the ship. It's not the motion of the camera. And this I want to turn to you to talk about the difference in the Last Jedi shot, which it almost does the opposite where like the objects don't move but the camera does right and so yeah that does so well i think Hugh made this nice point earlier that that cgi seems to impel camera movement like like there's this constant movement of the camera and i think you want to talk about this like the way in which there's this attempt to be complete in this like to give like complete coverage that seems to correspond although not necessary. It seems like it wouldn't be necessary that that would be true of CGI as a phenomenon, but it does seem to. I think you're right. It, it creates this kind of corresponding desire of completion. Maybe because the image can be complete in a way that the the uh, actual object can't be com- hmm. completely shown. Right? Yeah. I, I, no. I think it's got to be. I mean, when you think about what is the rationale. So I, I've sort of. In my mind, I refer to this tendency in CGI cinema as the swoop. So anytime you get an impressive creature or spaceship or environment or whatever, right, on screen, the camera tends to want to, I don't know if gyrate's the right word, to sort of circle around it Mm -hmm. through space rather than just giving us an objective static shot, which it seems like almost never happens. Uh, I mean, maybe we just, maybe it's a confirmation bias and we don't notice the ones that don't happen, but Mm -hmm. that that strange movement through space. Even Marvel movies do this. Like when all the heroes are in like one place, it's like we go we go around. It's like the god shot of like you know of the the, the superheroes. Right? Didn't, yep. didn't you call this? You called the movement centripetal, right? In your, right. In your essay, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I think it's it, you know part of it is they're do unquestionably they're doing it because they can do it. So now mm-hmm. we've got the technology to do this, so we're going to use that technology. We've yeah. invested in it. We're going to do it. But I also think there's a kind of underlying. They can't stop them. This is the odd thing to me. They can't stop themselves from doing it. But, Why not? Yeah. Right. No, but isn't it that, I mean, it's funny that you call it the God shot because mm-hmm. it's kind of a death of God shot, right? Like, mm-hmm. is that what we're complaining about? That the, 
like isn't God precisely the app like the thing that you can't see like the mm-hmm. the reverse side of the object the reverse side of the image and I think that's what CGI and the way of shooting it kind of rules out like it, it that's right it kind mm-hmm. of like it wants to show everything that can't and I think that's why you you, you connect it to anxiety because the, like anxiety is that we're confronted with the unseen as something seen right mm-hmm. like that's the i think that's the sort of that's the thing that provokes anxiety right whereas right? this is this is a setup where we're seeing it all there is no beyond no but that's what i mean like right. the, the thing that's beyond is actually now brought into the right. visual field exactly. as something you can see right right, right. And, and in a in, and it's in an elemental way yeah. right so this isn't even um i think we're not being at all metaphorical here right so yeah. that a static shot of some creepy setting in a horror movie in the 30s literally resists, or literally denies you the ability to kind of see what's in those creepy corners right. in the back, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, you know, imagine like Browning's Dracula shot with CGI. Like, it's a night, and I think it kind of exists. Like, what's that, what's that uh, Del Toro um, gothic film? Um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth? No. I'm blowing it. I'm uh, blowing the title. Up. No, it's okay. <laughs> but it, it's kind of this, uh, you know, there's a sense in which horror film now has embraced this aesthetic where, you know, like a ghost, the, the CGI camera just swoops through everywhere and mm-hmm. you kind of get all these nicks and crannies and penetrating views of the yeah, haunted house. Right. And that, to me, makes it a, a non-haunted house. Well, it right? makes it, it non haunted It makes it non-horror. I mean, like, yeah. uh, this is a thing that I, well, like, just a brief detour, like, what, uh, if, the, if there are, for me, there's like, there's a necessary and a sufficient uh, condition for horror. I think one of the necessary conditions is your characters cannot have like agency and like they cannot use reason to get themselves out of the situation. Now, um, but that's that's uh, that's necessary, but it's not sufficient for horror because like I don't think Forrest Gump has agency, but that doesn't make that film a horror film, you know? It's just uh, horrific. It's watch, just right? horrific. <laughs> it's just the most ideological film that's ever been made. It's just right. utterly oh, so the idiot who doesn't question anything gets everything right, right. and the woman who's probably sexually abused uh, gets AIDS and dies like alright before AIDS was even existed she got it yeah. that's how yeah, bad she that's was. how bad she was yeah that's where right. way to go Zemeckis right. so um, the but anyway so then the sufficient condition being that what we're talking about here like that this shot this exact kind of shot that you're talking about ruins is like you need to have this atmosphere that there is a presence it is beyond logic it's beyond reason like you can't really like like interact to it like like it's just uh i mean like the shining is like the great example i think is like there's no kubrick even makes it clear there's there's not a like a like a, a logic to that film because at the end you get that shot of like jack nicholson like he's always been the caretaker there right. it's just utterly impossible you know mm-hmm. and that's the sort of like the impossible logic of the horror film so if you can see every nook and cranny as a viewer and you get a more privileged view than the characters do then right it's not horror anymore, you know, like you've lost, you've lost the connection to that thing. Like you've, you've gotten rid of it. It's not even like scary. You can have this distance to it. That's right. And, yeah. And I think in, in just kind of baseline theoretical Lacanian terms, you know, the issue for me is that CGI creates a lack of lack itself. And that's mm-hmm. that classic Zizek formulation. And it's right. there in seminar 10. And that, that sort of arrangement is it, it, the, the response you have as a viewer of cinema is a little weird. So it's a little different watching a movie and going to the dentist's office. So, you know, you're in the reception room at the dentist's office, you can hear the drill going in the next room, right. and that's a certain type of anxiety, and it's yeah. more palpable, and, and my sense of that arrangement is more like, well, I'm immediate, like, I'm I'm adjoining the problem. Like, right. the, the problem mm-hmm. is truly next. So, right. I, I'm next, the mm-hmm. problem is coming up, and that's anxiety because right. lack is lacking. Like, you're, you're not two days away from this, you're right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
CGI is a different thing because you're watching this movie, and of course you've got disavowal and distance from it and so forth. But the lack to me works almost stiflingly as as uh, as affect along the lines of boredom, mm-hmm. disinterest. Mm-hmm. Like somehow I can't connect with the thing. We were talking about um, stunts, for yeah. instance, in movies. Mm-hmm. Like I can't connect with a stunt that I don't feel like was an actual stunt on set in real okay, time. Okay, so this is interesting. So so. Andre Bazin, right? Yeah. Uh, one of his, and he talked about he talks about stunts and his, and and he uses it as a critique of editing, right? So yeah. for him, if you edit a stunt, like somebody's starting mm-hmm. to jump off a building and then you cut and then you see them yeah. landing on the ground, he's like, well, that that doesn't arouse the interest of the spectator because they know that that stunt really didn't happen. So, but, so what's interesting to me is the stunts in Matrix. I mean, Matrix was a pretty effective film yeah. I think mm-hmm. and yet I think it failed I mean it, it certainly Bazan would hate it because all the stunts I think I don't think there's a single stunt in Matrix yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not CGI'd and, mm-hmm. and produced or like uh, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon which I think came around the same mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. all the stunts in that film are, are CGI'd so it's interesting that 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 critique I mean so does that critique, I wonder if that critique holds for stunts because I do feel like I don't know, people, or or is, because I think once once editing sort of was allowed yeah. for stunts, yeah. then the 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 move from editing to CGI, I don't think is that much that of a, mm-hmm. that much of a leap. Although, yeah. I I mentioned this film we were talking earlier, and and Ryan and Hugh haven't seen it, so I, it's going to be I'm sort of on my turf only. But there's a French. <laughs> we'll film. get closer to the mic then. No, uh, no, no, there's a French <laughs> film called Van Lutrez, which is it's just I think the American version comes out as B13 or something, okay. which is I don't know why I, why they did that. But uh, that's a and, vitamin, is that? It is not a vitamin. Okay, <laughs> no, but but they both do not cut mm-hmm. and don't CGI. So mm. there are all these incredible stunts, like guys jumping off three stories and like and propelling themselves through little small windows, mm. diving. And it's just an incredible looking the ter- the plot is terrible, but it's an incredible looking film precisely because it doesn't use either of those kind mm. of tricks. So I wonder, Hugh, what you would I mean, would you go full Bazan and say like editing itself already is a way of kind of producing anxiety and, and depriving us of lack when isn't it I don't know I don't know that's well, my question I mean, so you yeah. I don't think you would want to say well, that well can, right? can I give a concrete yeah. example yeah, yeah, yeah. to maybe ground yeah. whatever your response is um, I think a, a really interesting uh, like recent film I think we've all seen that uh, brings these two issues together is The Revenant in that the scene that probably won Leo the Oscar when he gets destroyed by a CGI bear but in Rutu does not cut there's no, there's no cut in that scene, and that's why it's like sort of terrifying, you know. Is that you, the what you get with a cut is you get. I mean, this is what Bazin is talking about. Is right. like you get relief, like right. you know, if, if like if you're watching, a, like you're watching like a cringe comedy show, like uh, like uh, like The Office, like The British Office especially, but American Office too. Is that like when you get the cut and they go away, it's like, oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, but, yeah. but so, isn't the I mean, cut also lack? Like, so that's what I mean. I mean. So that's why I'm a little, I'm just confused. Yeah. This is a genuine question yeah. because, I, I, I mean, the cut is also the point at which you, it punctuates the scene, right? Like it gives mm-hmm. you, like, like I would, I, w- I think, like, I, I don't know if you've seen the long single cut film Russian Arc 
where yeah. there's just no cut at all, and it's mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a, it's it's suffocating to right. watch mm-hmm. that film. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I don't know. I feel yeah. I feel kind of divided about this. Like I feel like on the one hand, yeah, you're right. Editing does kind of bring you this sense of relief, but I think on the other hand, editing is what is really. I mean, I, I almost am like with Metz that editing is the in Eisenstein. Editing yeah. is the language yeah. of cinema. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've got to say, like when I when I heard the premise of Russian Ark, and yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's it's almost a spoiler film at the level of form, right? So yeah. here's what this film does: <laughs> it never cuts. And as soon as I heard that, I just resolved, I'm never going to see this film. Yeah. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have not seen? Never it. seen it. And I just can't. No, I've never seen I, it. Okay. I, I almost abhor that. You know, like the long take, like the virtuosic long take. Mm-hmm. Great if you're, you know, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson at the beginning of Magnolia, if you're like Altman at the beginning of The Player, or, or, or Wells, or, yep, absolutely right, <laughs> yeah, right. It's a, or, it's a great take. My favorite film, the Bigfoot film, which is yeah, kind of this weirdo yeah. long take. Oh, yeah, that's a good and, and there can't be an edit in any of those for right. obvious reasons because it's this pissing contest to see who can have, you know, especially among Hollywood directors, to see who can sort of keep it up the longest, right. Right. to keep right. the thing going the longest without an edit. Mm-hmm. De Palma cheats it. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to kind of fudge it. Right. But, yeah, that, that to me is a different thing then and I almost think that this is what's going on in the revenant. So, okay. like, can we do this in a long take so as to sort of prove our virtuosity as filmmakers, mm-hmm. and maybe less so as the Byzantian thing? Because the, the, what I find really odd about the Byzantian claim, and of course he's making this claim, I think pre disavowal is I know very well, but just the same. I, mm-hmm. I guess I can't remember the timing of it. Oh no! I mean Freud's written that, but. But I mean, in the in the kind of much later. Oh no! Met, in film Met, theory, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, much yeah, before yeah, like yeah, Metz kind of making a big deal out of disavowal. Yeah. And so, um, what I find odd about it is that if if disavowals how cinema works, then the edit should be no problem whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? So right. if if our relation to cinema is one of disavowal, I know very well that everything that's happening up there is fake, formalistically, you know, pitched at me. But in I a believe way. it anyway. But I believe it anyway. If if you believe it anyway, what the hell difference does the the cut make, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you know what's odd. So well, you want to differentiate categorically between the edit and the use of CGI. You just don't think those are in the same universe at all. Well, uh, okay. So to come back because I think Bazan would yeah. say they yeah. are in the same universe. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what that was. That's my the only mm-hmm. sense of my yeah. comment. But I, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think I think that. But I, I think that's what <laughs> Bazan would Bazan say. Would yeah. say yeah. Yeah. But I think the Revenant example is really interesting because to me that's a hybrid. So when I look yeah. at that, like I found that actually really compelling that mm-hmm. particular shot, mm-hmm. not because it's a long take, but because you get the sense that somebody's actually being physically slammed to the ground, and I don't know how they did the shot. Yeah. But the clearly the bear's not real, but it is his image impact on the ground you know yeah, that's, that's yeah. being filmed somehow yeah. in a physical mm-hmm. way so I feel like a real body's being tossed here right. and that that actually does create that visceral sense that you get frankly like with a stunt or when you're watching Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. like you know the, the, those shots of the strafing or the bombing in Apocalypse Now like you watch that and you go a lot of shit's exploding here. Like, and that <laughs> yeah. really happened. Like, yeah. there's no question yeah. that that really happened. And somehow it's impressive at the level of production, and yeah. it's impressive at the level of diegesis. But does it matter for you, uh, the use of the miniature? So this is the weird question. Hmm. Because to me, I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to enlarge it out further from there and say something like, to the extent that 
real physicality is involved in anything, it works. And to the extent that it's all about fractals and algorithms, you don't mind. You don't mind that it's a miniature, then. I don't mind that it's a miniature. And furthermore, I would say that gravity works better better in Warner Brothers cartoons than it works in any CGI film ever made. So if you Mm. watch Bugs Bunny falling down the steps, yeah. like gravity looks real in a way that I don't think CGI pulls off. And that's a really odd claim, but somehow yeah. like having the human hand involved, having humans humans involved in the loop. Okay. I mean it comes yeah. it comes back to the Star Wars thing though. I mean like yeah. we're talking we're, we're talking about like like models of planes. Those are ships, miniatures in miniatures. the beginning of yeah. Star Wars. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, right cuz they didn't make a giant ship. They didn't yeah, make yeah. a giant <laughs> ship. I, I'm yeah. pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, no anyway, yeah, no. But so say? I was yeah. just going to say so if miniatures are okay for you, then what about Star Trek television series? Like I mm-hmm. I I have students watch that. They're like, I can't even watch the outer space scenes because, because it looks so fake. They're so fake. Yeah. yeah. And so, does that is that a problem for you, or you think that's kind of like that's actually that's actually like what film and television should like that actually that's what it should be doing. I mean, that, that's a sign that we're dealing with actual objects. Yeah. So, in other words, to to sort of even play it up in a more fake sort of kitschy direction mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. works better because it's more extreme in terms of the failure right yeah, like for, failure so for you that's yeah. what mm-hmm. i thought you would say so mm-hmm. that for you the the like even the failed model is much much better than the successful cgi that passes like it's almost like passing right like it yeah. passes mm-hmm. for like I, i'm sure there we've all seen scenes in films that we thought were Mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. that were actually CGI'd, right? Yeah, like, sure. And that's mm-hmm. that's an odd thing, too, because CGI, obviously, we miss it sometimes. Right. And I, I'm, I guess I'm more concerned with the, the sort of stage center, uh, almost like the set piece version of with CGI. That broadcast where, sits. Where broadcast yeah, yeah, yeah. We know yeah. you know, this couldn't this historical period couldn't exist. We couldn't have the street scene in New York shot today, yeah, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. But, yeah, but I, I mean, I think, like, what, what if we even, on my, you know, you know where my experience with this comes from. Um, video games, which I don't play, but my son plays. Yeah. And so when I look at Fortnite, which right now, if historical Just people in the future are looking back, they're like, Fortnite. What are they talking about? Like, like, literally everybody plays I Fortnite. I think the world will become Fortnite, so I don't think we <laughs> totally. have. So this would be like, oh, this is where it started. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. No, we yeah. drive, uh, when you drive through Worcester at night, like you can just pick out, just look in people's front windows of their houses and everybody's playing Fortnite. It's the uh, craziest yeah. thing. Yeah. But, they, mm-hmm. but the thing about Fortnite is the animation is crap compared yeah. to like Destiny or compared to like Star Wars. Well, because the right? point because the point is the the point of that game is to have a hundred people That's playing right. at once. Yeah, so you you suffer quote unquote you suffer a little bit on the on the graphics end uh, to be able to have this like big experience. This interestingly enough, just like a weird like video game thing. This is what Nintendo has been doing over the last like ten years. They they have gone radically against like what Sony and Microsoft had done about like being these like graphical like like powerhouse state uh, uh, systems because the logic this is what they've said is that like if you, what you give people is great graphics all they ever want is more graphics so what people want then is a different kind of experience and that's why the Wii was so popular and that's why the Switch is really popular right yeah. now and that's the same reason why Fortnite is popular it's not the graphics like it's like this this experience I think mm-hmm. that like seems to be uh, like really unique in the world of uh, of at least console gaming. Like a yeah. hundred people doing this thing at the same time. So it's both communal and it's limited. Yeah. 
and it's and you can also play with your. So you like both have a group of friends playing, like yes. a squad. Yeah, right? sure. And then you have a hundred oh, other people. Yes. So you're you both have the little group, and then you're part of some larger community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think to Hugh's point, like the failure of the like the inability of the graphics to be perfect, right? Actually, like. It creates a desire to play the game Absolutely. rather than yeah. distract, t- you know, like taking away from your desire to play. For sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the, you know, in the way that, like, it, it succeeds for the exact same reason that, like, Polar Express is gross to look at. Yeah, okay. you know, yeah. like, I, I think, like, and, and that and that's even, and, and, like, we could even look back and be like, oh, well, this is a primitive, like, now use of CGI. Well, like, Fortnite is a deliberately primitive use of, like, uh, 3D graphics, mm-hmm. like like polygon, yeah. gra- you know, whatever mm-hmm. graphics, but it it works uh, for. I mean, it works for that medium because the purpose is not to look at these people. Like they need to be to bring it to Avatar. It needs to be an Avatar for you. You know, like yeah. this is what like a lot of like big budget games is that like. Well, you get to create your character, so it's gonna look uh, like you can make it look like you if you want. So you can sort of like insert yourself in the world, and it's gotta look like a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, yeah, but what if what if um. I guess my question would be, what if CGI uh, included its own imperfection within it? Right, and so then it would, then it would, yeah. not, then I don't. Mm-hmm. I think your objection would cease to hold, right? Yeah, I'm not sure how to because so how would two you things that? on that, right? How, right, how would you do? How, how would you do, do that? You know, like right. yeah, because if you left, if oh, there's a really fascinating case. Uh, I want to say this was like ten years ago that like uh, one of the bad. X-Men Wolverine movies was uh, a, I think it might have been like a New York Times reviewer, like a movie critic, released the film, I think. Uh, no, 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 this wasn't it. Somebody released the film without the CGI in it. So it was like all the blue screens mm, and whatever. Yeah. They put the film out. It hadn't been finished. And it was a New York Times reviewer who reviewed the film based on that. And I think they got fired or something like that. Yeah. It, it's how it worked. But that, um, anyway, I haven't seen that version of that film, but I mean, mm-hmm. that might be I mean, that's, a, that's actually, like, it shows you where the CGI would go, but there's no mm-hmm. CGI. It's interesting, because yeah. I saw the movie Deep Impact at a at Paramount as, mm-hmm. a, 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 a like, a, a test screening. Yeah. I was part of the test audience. And it was pre the CGI being put in. Oh, okay. So you could see, like, there would be, on writing, like, tidal wave coming <laughs> here. And that's I cool. have to, the, the film was, I mean... The, What's interesting, I mean, I, I can't judge based on that because sure. the the film was terrible narratively and the audience, it was a fascinating experience because the audience would laugh at points that weren't funny and yeah. these people would come running down to find people laughing. Why are you laughing? What's the problem? <laughs> so it was great. How do we fix it? I want to make you happy. The horrible thing was Mimi Leader, who was the director, was in the oh. in the back row and I felt so terrible for it. Like yeah. these people are like laughing at her. But... It's. I don't know if you know the film, but like two mm. two like ten year olds have a love thing, and they, that's <laughs> like they're falling in love, and that's gonna save the world. But uh, I don't know. I found like like that would be one way that the the imperfection of the CG. I mean, like I I guess I'm a little reluctant to say that only like that it's only n- the natural human thing that can produce the imperfection. Like I mm. I I mean like computers produce imperfection too, right? Like they, like there's not, it's not like the CGI world is free of the contradictions that beset the, the human world or the world of objects, you know? So, so that's, so I think, I I think it's wrong to say like it can't, 
you can't include the imperfection within the, or the failure within the right. CGI. I mean, uh, like a film that comes to mind that did it early on, that kind of actually yeah. actively worked yeah. uh, imperfections into the CGI is um, Sunshine to the science fiction thing. Oh, right? oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. so when you get to the high, high moments of high drama, mm-hmm. you get these sort of like what I can only describe as like glitchy still frames yeah. almost as if like like if you didn't know better you'd swear your DVD skipped mm. because somebody mm-hmm. will just freeze on screen for two or three seconds Yeah, like yeah. Soderbergh does this I think yeah. Soderbergh does it a lot but yeah. I mean he's not using CGI not, when he does it right. yeah. mm-hmm. that's, that's almost like a throwback to like 70s experimental yeah. cinema right so he's doing these freeze you're thinking frames. of Limey or something like yeah, that yeah or like mm. out of sight out of so sight, there's, right. there's yeah. these you know when things are really intense you'll just get this pause and yeah. then the m- image moves on Sunshine, it's glitchy, right? It really yeah. feels like almost it's it's like digital expressionism. So you got to this point of high drama, and in order to communicate the psychological state of the characters, yeah. mm-hmm. the film breaks down almost like a jump cut breaks down a film, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you think of like Godard leaving out the gunshot and Breathless, like right. this, this hiccup, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, it almost makes you twitch when you see it. And I think that's what Sunshine does, and so that's a film that I would say does it. So yeah, but, I do think mm-hmm. it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, think it, I mean, I just don't think that it's the common way that it's done. Right. I mean, I think that's all I would say. Yeah, because right? the because go- the goal. I wonder about this. Because um, the goal always with CGI is, or at least increasingly is to make you unaware that it is CG. Like, that's, like, sort of the, the, the stated thing, yeah. right? Like, like you you are... It wants you to disavow, right? Yeah. Like, it wants you to, to be like, I know that that's fake, but I, I, it's real. It's totally real. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to marry those, those things together. So you could see where, like, someone would not want to... Like it would almost be like if you knew if you if you realize that the the, the falsity of, of the image and then you disavowed that I think like the the production people would feel like they did a bad job right. or something but so that it's always it's only things like um did you ever see Five Hundred Days of Summer yeah okay so like when Joseph Gordon Levitt has sex with Zoe Deschanel for the first time and then it's the you know the um you make my dreams come true like that comes on and and he has that dance in the Central Park and then there's like the Disney birds come to him right, right. like you know right. that that's that's fake. I mean, it's a kind of, it's not, it's a kind of CGI, I guess, you know, but that's, it's very, very, very obviously fake, you know, and, and it's like, it's not winking at its falsity, but it's like, it's sort of, uh, of owning it. There's a phrase in, um, uh, in TV, uh, I guess in screenwriting, uh, hanging a lampshade on it. It's like uh-huh. when you acknowledge the thing that you're doing, like you, oh, you're, sure. yeah, you yeah. know, so it's like, and I wonder if that's a thing that would just be, it is so anathema to the directive of people who are like the CGI production people that like don't put a, don't hang a lampshade on it we don't right. like y- this needs to be like this needs to look as like as real as it can get well and I think almost to the point where their MO and I think that's exactly it uh, their MO is to on the one hand suppress anything that would call attention to itself but at mm-hmm. the same time in a general way, call attention to just the hyper-detailed environment yeah. that they've created. Right. So these environments yeah. feel like, you know how like the well, human Well, that's eye, why the camera's moving so much. Because yeah. it wants I think to, so. they don't want to, they want to show you all the, de- we want to brag about all the detail that we've shown. Right. And not leave anything unseen. Yes. Right. And I think you're yeah. right to say that that's the link between CGI and anxiety. My question yeah. is, why these films are so boring? And so <laughs> is there a relationship right. for you between boredom and anxiety? Like, I find, in general, I mean, I have a whole ideological problem with the superhero film, but I generally find them just boring. And I... Can I give it... I need to cut cut you in, like, your... 
we we were texting. Uh, we were watching some sports game. And we were texting about like the first like TV trailer for uh, the Infinity War. Infinity this, War. And you you just said maybe it was during the Super Bowl. I don't know. And you just said invincible people trying to kill each other like that (laughs) like that's that's the best that's that's the single sentence that's what those films are anyway yeah no that's why i mean for me that's why they're so boring yeah because they're just you know there's these endless fights i remember the the fight between dr zod and superman in one of those terrible superman movies and it lasted like 45 minutes and yeah they're both immortal so it's like who cares yeah so i feel like I wonder what you would say, Hugh, about that relation. And it's there was all CGI that fight. So my question is like, is there a relationship for you between boredom and I mean, in some ways they seem like polar opposites because yeah. when you're feeling anxiety, you're I don't think you're bored. That's right. You're, yeah, you're yeah, like you yeah. know. So like I, I, like just, I I walked in on my parents having sex. I I, I felt anxiety, but I wasn't it wasn't no, one of the most boring moments of my life. Right. But but at the same time, you know, I think it, you know, in cinema puts this wall of disavowal between you and that. that to me that's the whole thing right so it's because you're watching a movie that's delivering too much i see that, that creates it's not boredom. lived experience right okay. if it's if it's lived experience like if, if you're receiving too much in lived experience like and too much can take a million different forms again it can be that kind of nextness of the horrifying thing that you don't want to encounter but it can also just be a suffusion of like stimulus you're in a restaurant too many people are talking too much yeah. noise and it feels claustrophobic yeah or um, like last night after the talk I had like 20 students yeah, coming yeah. up like to me you, yeah you want the talk to be successful but you but, don't but want then I want everyone <laughs> to like go away right. afterward right? you don't want to <laughs> swarm literal right. swarm right? Right, right so I think that that send me an email how much you liked it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I, so to me that's the problem right so it's it's yeah. the, it's anxiety generating in the sense that they're the CGI creators are delivering me more than I need, too much, a, mm-hmm. a lack of lack, a lack of failure, a lack of flaws, but also this kind of weird sense that, you know, it, it's an optical perfectionism. So, like, the human eye is, is a mess, right? right? So, like, you can't see things out of the periphery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you hold your hand to the side, you're getting, getting this blur. If you put your hand six inches away, you can't see your hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But CGI, it's like everything at every plane of focus is completely in, in focus. Right, and you right. feel like also, as in that shot at the beginning of Last Jedi, mm-hmm. that if you penetrated forward into the CGI image, it would just endlessly unfold to the point yeah. that you'd be looking at atoms at a certain right. point. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. and films even, of course, do this like so what ant-man takes you to the yeah. atomic level right, using right, right, so right. at some point like i just i feel like saying please stop yeah. you know mm, like yeah. can we can so we get to it, so a, it's yeah. a, so it's a world for you without obstacles except which should generate total anxiety but i mean it's interesting because you're in some sense you're saying the filmic medium protects us from the ang- like it right. tra- Wait, is this what your claim is that it translates anxiety into boredom because of the disavowal that takes place sort of inherently within the filmic right. experience. Right, because disavowal is the mechanism of narr- narrative cinema. Because, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't someone like Godard, at least when he was a real human... Um, uh, <laughs> he's a robot now, just for the listeners in <laughs> I the don't future. Know. I don't know yeah. what... He's, he's a head in a jar. Yeah. Uh, like, wouldn't Godard have said, like, I want to provoke anxiety? Mm-hmm. So, But mm-hmm. he would never CGI something, right? Like, right, like, right. So for him... So why or if he would, would, he would make sure that it failed in some it way. It failed, right, yeah. right, I agree. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but so why isn't that, I guess my, so your answer would be, I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. But why isn't that a radical step? Like, why isn't the production of anxiety, like, yeah. why isn't Avengers Infinity Wars, mm-hmm. right. like, a, like a radical s- cinematic moment where 
Everyone's going to like experience right. the anxiety yeah. that they don't experience in their daily life, and they're going to come out changed subjects. And, and I, I simply think it's it's relative proportions, right? So like if it's there, the problem with this for me is that it's it's now the paradigm. So CGI is now, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to the multiplex, like what you're getting is CGI. That's kind of yeah. just automatic. And that's not always been the case. And I can think of exa- recent examples or semi-recent examples. So like think about like, the Hapax examples, and I'm trying to think, maybe it's even up on my shelf, but like there's, there's that George, George Clooney European espionage movie, I can't the, American. Oh, the, the American, the American, and it ends with this shot. The whole thing feels to me largely real. Yeah, uh, you don't get the sense that this is like CGI overworked in any yeah. sense. And in the end, isn't there a shot where like a butterfly? Yeah, in a very uh, perfect way, yeah. and that's clearly CGI because yeah. you can't train a butterfly, right? And to me, that shot utterly ruins the whole thing hmm. and the other one that, that's like this and it's way worse is tree of life so uh. that that dinosaur <laughs> that yeah. cgi dinosaur yeah. utterly ruins that thing no me. but that film was ruined when, well, it, okay. when it was conceived assuming that is a film that's for you yeah. uh, assuming mm. that's a film that somehow works for you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't you Reach that moment and no, just but go, you, yeah. oh man, I'm out. Right, I think that's, I take yeah. your point. But I do think that it's only like a few people in a, an asylum yeah. for whom mm. that's true. I thought Tree of Life was just terrible. But, um, but, but I do take your point that there are these moments where it gets destroyed. But, but again, I, how is that, why is it, can you just explain to me why Infinity Wars is not going to be a radical world-changing film through its production right. of anxiety. Right, and it's just because the anxiety... The, the it's totally... It's the disavowal at work. It's the disavowal at work coupled with the fact that the this, this CGI suffusion just becomes banal. Like, there's so mm. much of it that it's the okay. paradigm, and it's not the exception. Whereas, like, for Godar, e- even when he's doing really radical stuff, there's a baseline of kind of norm... You know, even if you're watching Weekend, there are scenes that play out mm. like normal movie scenes, and then right. you get this radical... You know something that jumps in. Well, like the long track and the in weekend, right? Like the, right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So that that's a, that's well, a radically rupturing right, thing to right. experience. So this right. is what. So this is what I was going to maybe want to bring the conversation back to. I wonder if it's an issue with editing and an issue with the cut. One of the things I was thinking about, what I guess this is like uh, twenty minutes ago, we're talking about the cut in uh, in, in the Revenant and why is that a release? And so like you might say that that like you know. Psychoanalysis holds, and it's absolutely right. Like the cut is the is the radical thing. The cut is is cinema. Like you don't have. Well, this is also yeah. a claim by Joan Kopchak. Joan, Co- she, yeah. And yeah, in, in, in imagine there's no woman. So we should give credit to her because she's the one who says like, without the cut, yeah. cinema just creates this. Like that's the punctuating point of mm. cinema. Well, so what I was thinking is like, doesn't in in the Revenant or in or cringe humor like when you get the cut you might say like oh that releases the anxiety but it actually it makes the cut more visible because you have this like most cuts in films you have no like compensatory like reaction to it would no bodily response to it whatsoever but you do in the revenant and you do in like ricky gervais in, in 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 the office so maybe that's where maybe that's where where the I don't want to say middle ground because that's sort of like trite, but like maybe that's where there is room to bring uh, like anxiety into the like the Marvel film is through is through editing and is through like like an, a a uh, a different way of conceiving like the cut or maybe like or to go back to like the original way of conceiving the cut um, because that's the maybe that's the the. Uh, the other thing is like it, it's not just with CGI; everything has to look perfect. Like so many of these films, 
you're not supposed to notice that there's a camera. It's almost like you're not like you're almost not supposed to know mm-hmm. that it's a film. But they're also rapidly cut, right? Yes, like it's the, true. Like the the fat the number of the number of shots in a Marvel film is like radically higher than in like a say we were talking about some seventies yeah, sure. thrillers last night, like a seventies thriller. It's got maybe half the number of shots sure. as a because you have to like a Marvel because you don't have to justify it anymore. Like I think that there that was a a, a feeling in like Hollywood as a director. Like if you're going to cut, you have to justify what like why you're doing that right. to yourself, not to like the audience. I think that's true, but yeah. I also think it. I, I wonder what he would say about this because don't don't you think that this is ironic because the cut is the sort of signifier of lack, but mm-hmm. it can't like an extreme number of cuts. Eliminate yeah, the fact of eliminating the sense of lack at it's all. It's numbing, right? right. Yeah, it right. numbs you, and yeah. it make and you don't even you stop noticing. Yeah, right. Yeah. You just think, and it does also, like the cut is like this what you call the swoop shot. Like it gives you all these different perspectives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like on a like I find, like a born, especially the Paul Greengrass directed born chase scenes. Right. I find them just, just totally. Yeah, like. Yeah. Just like it's every like all these different wild cuts and yeah. it cut like in less than a second. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't know or like you don't know who's shooting at yeah, who. Yeah, who's shooting at who? Yeah, right, where yeah. are they right. going? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. And I'm supposed to be excited. Yeah, yeah. Because it's but it's just it's just overwhelming and you kind of shut down. And I just and like I'm just like well, so maybe it's yeah. like this. Maybe like I'm gonna pull this back to like um, I'm gonna pull this back to Shakespeare. Okay. Like to to make to make it clear like certain characters' transformations or whatever. He would have them. You know, you highborn people uh, speak in uh, iambic pentameter, and people who are lower, they just they speak without without meter. In prose, in prose, right. right? So maybe it's something like that. Like even in a film that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cuts, if you have these scenes that violate the rules that the film has established for itself. Then maybe that that, that That's gets the you there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like saying you know there are cuts and then there are cuts. So right. there's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. classical yeah. Hollywood shot reverse shot cut, which yeah. is suture theory, and you're waiting to see what the response is and all yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I think that suture theory is largely right in that way. So there's this sort of suspense. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at a person's uh, what they're looking at, and then we want to see what their reaction to the second shot is. Mm-hmm. And it's this endless leap leapfrogging through the scene, mm-hmm. and that's what connects us into the film. Great, I, I totally buy that. But you know, the green grass editing pattern if it's even a pattern is something utterly different right mm-hmm. i think it's it's almost it's obviously for its own sake right like it's supposed to the, it's the like kinetic, fireworks exploding it's what it's like it's almost like fireworks exploding yeah, at the right. level of form yeah, yeah, right. yeah and and that's that's almost like a different thing and then it almost leads me to kind of ask the question why does a cgi like a film in which cgi predominates why does it ever cut why does it yeah, ever need yeah. to be edited yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think there, and in some way, like so that uh, last Jedi scene, weirdly the camera penetrates, but then we cut to the surface of the planet. Why do you keep going? Why, why yeah. just keep it going <laughs> and blend it in when they? Well, come that's in. interesting yeah. because the CGI, the, 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 that makes me think of the opening of Star Trek: First Contact, where you get. Do you know this? I don't it's a, know. It's a, it's a it's a reverse track across the galaxy, and so it begins in Picard's eye when he was aboard, and then it and it just and so that kind of and it's all of course CGI because. There's no you can't there's no Borg. There's no Borg and you can't track across the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I feel like that would be I think that sort of proves your point that you yeah. can do that. You can just keep the camera moving yeah. as far as you want to keep it moving, and you can move it as fast as you want to move it, because there's yeah. nothing you're not mm-hmm. really sh- 
showing anything. I mean, the camera movement is itself faked, right? Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like yeah. even the idea of the camera is kind of faked, mm-hmm. right? I saw this thing recently that kind of it's that shot. Uh, I think almost exactly, except it's this um, somebody cobbled together this GIF on um, Reddit where you're in outer space and it's like Google Maps, mm-hmm. Google Earth, and mm-hmm. it's out, you're in outer space and you're looking at the whole Earth, then continents, then a country, then part of a country, then a city, then a street, and it narrows you down um, to the point that you're looking at one dude on a dirt you know, on a on a mm-hmm. like uh, bike, you know, yeah. sitting in a parking lot flipping off the camera. <laughs> and, but yeah. what's odd about that is, of course, they they had to have done that. And you know, you start with the small, and then you work your way yeah, up to the right, big, and then right. you reverse the gift. So in right. some in some ways, there's a trick even to that. But it's odd to me that someone would have. Like, I think that CGI just sets you up for that sort of thinking, that everything's continuous, that somehow, mm-hmm. you know, you're in outer space and then it continuously takes you down. Whereas, weirdly, that strikes me as very much at odds with the fragmentary nature of, like, life today. Life itself, but also mm-hmm. with the fragmentary nature of the CGI film. Yeah. That's right. So that's yeah. what's interesting yeah. is that it, it, it there's some way in which the rapid cut is, is I, I think you're right, that in some sense it's at odds with the notion of continuity created by CGI, but also it's it's sort of it's 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 sort of underside. It's supplement. Like like there aren't any CGI films where they're just one cut, right? right. There's not like no one did a CGI Russian arc, right? Yeah. Like part right. of the thrill of doing the and like Hitchcock wouldn't have shot rope and CGI. Like that wouldn't have he been just shot it like right. Birdman. Right. He would have yeah. shot it like Birdman. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Exactly. So so I feel like that there's something about the way in which the continuity needs the like constant breaks, like in order to establish the fiction of the. And again, I think it's 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 sort of like our subjectivity, like the fiction of continuity needs these constant mm. ruptures to be sustained, mm-hmm. right? It has mm-hmm. to be that because yeah. why else would they edit the films? Like, I mean, they're just right. they're they're they're, mm-hmm. they're they're all rapidly rapidly edited, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, you know, we could talk about things like texture, color you know, um, all the different things that CGI artists pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And it seems like through a decade and a half or so, what you're seeing is kind of maybe a more flaw-driven approach. So I think a tipping point for this was Cloverfield. Cloverfield's all, you know, it it purports to be shot all on handheld camera. Mm -hmm. And you'll get these sort of like glimpses of the creature. But through a haze and way at the end of a street, Mm -hmm. very shaky. Mm -hmm. So I think that, in in some ways, that film doesn't hold to its own premise because those Mm -hmm. initial scenes are really captivating because it's all done in glimpses. And so that's its own form of cut. So the mise-en-scene is giving you a chunk of something, but it's not giving you the whole whole thing. thing. But then, of course, you know, the, the... as everybody says about that film, the more you see of the monster, the worse the film. Well, that's true of yeah. almost everything. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's an interesting point because I, I think that that I mean the CGI comes down to I think the relationship between overpresence and absence, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That 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 what and 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 sort of film is always caught between that that dialectic. I think like there, yeah. the, you know, like there are great films that are all about absence. Mm-hmm. And then there are great films that are all about overpresence, but they they even they kind of draw a line somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. like I was thinking of Spike Lee as someone who his films kind of bombard us with excess in the image. That's true. Yeah. But there's still there's still like a limit to what they. I mean, they yeah. they still aren't trying to show everything. They're just mm-hmm. trying to show excess in a specific kind mm-hmm. of yeah. way, yeah. you know. And so I feel like that. So, but 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 I do think film has gotten away from the, its connection to what can't be shown, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. and and in some way that's the thing that draws people to the 
cinema. And so I think you could even make the argument that why people don't go to the movies anymore isn't... And, and it's like the response has been the exact wrong one. It's been to make things even more CGI, even yeah. bigger. Mm-hmm. Let's make the screen... I mean, I like a big screen, but yeah. but let's make everything bigger. When it's actually something that can't be shown, it's a little akin to the to the Fortnite yeah. example, yeah. I think. It's a thing mm-hmm. that can't be shown that actually draws you to the I think that's great. Film. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I... Earlier, when we were talking, uh, I, I had this thing, and we, we didn't know about this, and I only know about this from an interview with Richard Iwade of the IT crowd about uh, what Kubrick's camera, he, he, he found a camera, I don't know the name of it, because that's not the kind of film lover that I am. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't know what it is. But he uh, specifically and purposely, I think, I don't know if it was for The Shining, was the first film he did this for, but it was definitely The Shining, had a film that shot at a little less than 24 frames per second and so it just made things a little weird like mm-hmm. that 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 film in particular like it's just everything is just a little bit off like there's so, like there's so many great like when anyone talks to anyone in that movie it just it doesn't feel right. Like it's it's almost like there's like a, just a, a, a delay too much in some. I think that's why one like, reason why King hated it, right? I think pro- oh at, well, King also well, King hated Nicholson being. Yeah. He hated that, and also King had like a a, a bad. A, a moralistic a lot of King stuff is very moralistic yeah. you know like I mean like Christine like a car that kills people cars kill people yeah. you know like uh, cell phones that turn people into zombies hey cell phones turn people into zombies you know like there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. like sort of like easy moralism to some of his mm-hmm. stuff not to be really critical to well who, who the fuck cares yeah. uh, but um, like yeah so that was a reason why why he hated it um, Did he was he pissed about the the hedges being he didn't into like a the, maze yeah yeah he yeah. didn't like he didn't like that like every but even the guy but I think the, the, I think his one legitimate complaint mm-hmm. is that Nicholson seems like he's crazy you know he's gonna go crazy from the beginning I yeah. guess like where I would maybe try to redeem that is like where it works for the world is that like you know he's gonna go crazy but he hasn't yet and so you're yeah. you're almost in suspense of, of that like yeah. that thing in like a Hitchcockian way yeah. where like Hitchcock tells you like look this bomb's gonna go off at 145 you know right. like he tells you what you know but that camera yeah. that yeah. trick yeah the Ryan, camera it's, yeah. could only work as a as a one-off right like it's it, like because it, then it becomes the it language. Become I see what you're saying, right? Like it, it's only so. So, so where? I, yeah, where? I, I think it does speak to Hugh's point yeah. that even CGI could be used as this kind of thing that like is the exception. Although mm-hmm. those two films, you're right, where it's everything's realistic, then it's the exception, yeah. then it yeah. kind of destroys it. But yeah. I mean, I think it can be. I think the problem is when you go all the way into the thing, or in ways that disguise. The, the the thing that's off like yeah. and I think I think that's what's maybe lost in these films like there's yeah. nothing off like there's nothing there's it, there's no contradiction right and yeah. it, there's no contradiction in, yeah. in the same way as like why is it boring to watch two immortals fight each other it's yeah. because there's nothing off yeah. there's nothing ever mm-hmm. there's nothing ever that's kind of can go wrong and I, so I think yeah. that, that that moment of something being off can't be you can't I mean I think Kubrick can make his whole film sure. like that but then if that became well, I was just I brought that up to suggest like just having like a, a section of like Infinity War where it just it moves in a way that the rest of it doesn't and it's yeah. just like you have sort of like a reaction to it where it's like that's weird. I don't know what's mm. sort of like happening with that. In in sort of a I guess it, like a narrative way, one of the things that I think is is quite good about um Last Jedi even though 
maybe it devolves into being a little campy, but they go to that planet where there's the casino, and so for the first time in any Star Wars film, you get people who are outside of the simple binary of good versus evil. Yeah. You get people who profit off of good versus yeah. evil. Yeah. You know, and that's a it, like well, it's the first basic mention of capitalism it, in ever. The Star Wars yeah, exactly. Universe. Yeah, yeah, right. and that's what's what's sort of like that's what's really nice about yeah. it and that yeah. a lot of people had a reaction to that but, you know and that's but that's at the narrative level that's not at the level yeah. of yeah. of CGI or level or at the level of the shot mm-hmm. so i mean i think that that would be what you would want uh films to uh, or CGI heavy films to do is to maybe not court contradiction because then that becomes its own sort of like that like becomes fetish right, right exactly right. but to uh not like you know bat it away at at, at all time you right. know just like to have the thing that doesn't Right. That doesn't work, you know. That that creates that 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 rupture, and, and the, I don't know. But or that or that like the camera moves around and you can't see, yeah. right? Like that's the thing. Well, you right? know, like, like, like Nolan does this. Like at people people kill Nolan for this. Like I can't hear what these characters are saying, yeah. and he and he's defended this by saying is like like about like. Hitchcock or, or Kubrick, like what he likes and like their films is that you can't see everything. So he wants to make it so you can't hear everything. Yeah, he'll, he'll just have to be wrong about that. Because honestly, like, I mean, the thing that, and I tell this to filmmaking students all the time, which so is you can have the craziest, shittiest, most messed up visual track yeah. possible. Yeah. And as long as the, as long as there's a kind of legibility, that's not the right word, but a, a yeah, legibility sure. or an audibility, comprehensibility at the level of words on the mm-hmm. soundtrack, it's all totally fine. Mm-hmm. So you can have you can just so go you don't nuts. agree with that. I kind of like that point. You don't think that the illegibility can be on the soundtrack. You do not. Well, I don't think his. So I know the example that people are complaining about, like Gary Oldman in Dark Knight, is one. Well, uh, yeah. but at the end of uh, Nolan's, uh, God, this is terrible. The most recent like Dunkirk. No, no uh, outer space, film. Interstellar. Interstellar, Interstellar. So um, there's the what the scene on the deathbed, I guess, right where you yeah. can't hear this key line. And people were flipping out because they couldn't, you know, what's he saying? But what about, yeah. okay, here, yeah. I'm going to go. Are you, I, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, no, you finish. So are you aware? Like, on some level, there are lines in cinema that are like, uh, okay, so in Cape, in Scorsese's Cape Fear, when they're in the parking lot and De Niro says this thing about, I'm going to teach you about loss. Yeah. But you don't really make it out. And you're very, it's, he's, Scorsese's very clear on the point that you didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. And then later in the film, Nick Nolte repeats repeats what he says out loud and that's kind of an interesting push-pull but what I find problematic about Nolan is he's in this halfway zone between you didn't hear it and you did hear it oh so you don't mind Um, if we don't know like so lost in translation right when Scott Johansson comes up to Bill Murray you're fine with that we don't hear that right Right. what about the conversation is I think a great example too like you yeah, and there's, but but yeah. again, you're you're yeah. very the film and it's about thematized. Not yeah, right. so right. so for your point is that in mm-hmm. Nolan, it's not thematized. It's just it just kind of happens. It almost feels like those moments in conversation, and people have you know low talkers, right? Yeah. Like yeah. somebody's talking to you, or they're talking to you in a bar or whatever, yeah. and you just miss a few lines, and you kind of just blow it off. Yeah, you're talking like nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not okay in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Somehow, like either you're delivering me the information, or you're not. Del- I have to say, every have... conversation I have, well, not everyone, but almost every conversation I have with my mother-in-law, there's at least like <laughs> okay. half her sentences I just didn't hear because she talks in such a soft yeah. voice. I mean, which I don't want to say to her. Speak up, but you know. So this brings up a really kind yeah. of. I She's think, not going to listen to the podcast. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'd be happy like, to be mentioned. So. <laughs> this is like a really interesting point, though, because mm-hmm. I think in some ways, you know, if you're like us and like probably people listening, you know, thinking about this concept of object ah, and what that means, and to me, like I'm always sort of telling my classes that, you know, if you if you want to get the quickest handle on it, it would be something like partialness. 
Like, so something that's not yeah. fully there. So why doesn't Nolan do that for you? But that's not, but what he's doing to me is not, the partialness move would be, we're aware that a character said words and we don't know. What so loss in translation is right. object for sure. Right. right. Yeah. Right. But right. the thing that I think that we're getting in his film is it feels to me like the film wanted us to hear these lines and somehow something went wrong in the mix and we didn't hear the lines. So it almost, it seems it seems like an accident. Yeah, it, somehow it's yeah. not like to me it's not objea because it's not that halfway state. The, the halfway state is always yeah. this kind of thing of, you know, knowing that you don't know, knowing yeah. that you you're you're suddenly aware of the fact that some you know the gaze, you're aware of the fact that there's a problem in the visual field. Right. Something disturbed it, it. It fails if you think it's a production mistake. Is that is that sort of yeah completely and yeah. I definitely think in, in that a bad case, way in a bad feeling like it, yeah. and it actually doesn't matter at all what he intended sure in right so yeah like, of course it yeah. seems like a production mistake yeah so what I want it to seem like is that scene in Cape Fear where it's like yeah, very yeah. clear yeah. that we didn't hear those lines right. and I, I know that that's maybe not the most nuanced way no I think to, that to is nuanced pretty good. actually yeah, I think yeah. That but somehow to me it's got to be one or the other like right. it's either Ob or it's like full satisfaction like we're getting the whole thing that we want so let me ask you this though and this is this is an actual honest question about anxiety and I think this maybe relates to CGI mm -hmm. so you know Lacan in Seminar 10 has this really provocative line that I can't quite figure out which is anxiety is not without an object yeah right mm -hmm. so I, I take that like I'm I my reading of that is probably the dumbest most basic reading which is that somehow like desire is without an object like what object means is that desire is without an object literally meaning there's this well there's that no object that realizes it right I think that's it but it's yeah. also that that you are, if you're desiring, the object is over there. So you are without it. I see. It, it's mm -hmm. it's, yeah, 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 yeah. it's okay. beyond the obstacle, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, fair. So, so my reading of anxiety well, is beyond, not... I think it is the obstacle, but that's just... Uh, yeah. But I think that's an... And I totally agree with that. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it is the obstacle, but it's also the... The, the, the illusion fantasy, that there's something beyond the, the obstacle. The fantasy that sure. there's something For beyond sure. it. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so my reading of that simply is uh, anxiety is not without an object means... Anxiety is not objea. Anxiety is the I thing, don't think the, that's right. The full thing yeah. in your hands. The full thing is there. Thing it's, in the das Ding sense? Like, no, I'm sorry. The the, the object the, the the thing that you think the, the thing you think you want in the desire loop, you have. So you, you are not without it. Okay. You, you want to be without it, but you are not without it. Right. And, th and that's my and that's where my reading stops. Mm. But but what but what I wanted to ask is, yeah. but that completely loses the kind of cool phraseology of not without. Because you could say, oh, Worcester is not without its charms. <laughs> right. So that's right. a phrase that means right. something connotatively that I think he's getting at. And I, at that point, my understanding of it completely Well, but flops. I think, isn't he saying, I think he's saying, when he says it's not without an object, I think what he means is, doesn't he mean that you're like, rather than the object of being this thing that's constitutively absent, you're confronted with its overwhelming presence like his okay, one of the yeah. examples he gives is like the mother who's always on the child's back and not mm -hmm. only that but is constantly wiping his ass right mm -hmm. so like to me like it's it's like you're it's like when you confront too close yeah the, the object that you like that you you desire at a distance right like yeah. you're mm -hmm. confronted with this thing that you only know in its absence right and mm -hmm. so all of a sudden it's 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 like right there. But I think yeah. you're right. I mean, I think the the connection to CGI is right that everything is closed down, right? That's yeah. the feeling for him, which is which is so fascinating. I think that he totally reverses our the conception of anxiety that we usually have, right? From from right. Freud from for Freud sure, and from Heidegger for sure. Like 
that, that anxiety has no, like the difference between fear and anxiety is fear as an object, anxiety doesn't have yep. an object. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, for Heidegger, anxiety is being held out in the nothing. I mean, Lacan doesn't think that at all. He yeah, thinks no. it's like suffocating under this kind of, mm-hmm. you know, overwhelming presence. And yep. so I think that's that's what I would say to that. That, yeah, it, that, it, that it is the actual, it is the object that can't be made present that actually, in some form of it, because it can't be yeah. it, obviously. Yeah. It becomes present. So right? I, I'm in total, I, I'm 100% with you on okay. that. Like, so that's exactly the way I'm thinking about it. And, and I'm kind of thinking of this, by the way, as like mm-hmm. chapter title. CGI is not without an object. Right, 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 right. That's kind of the way I'm thinking. Yeah. But the problem then, I, what gets lost for me in that is is just what I said. So it's the nuance of the phrasing of it. So like, like what does that even mean? So when you use the phrase not without a, mm-hmm. what you mean is, this thing that you wouldn't expect to have it to be charming is actually not without it. It's got some charm, right? right? It's mm-hmm. got, it's got low level charm or it's got, it's not, you know, Worcester's not Boston, but it's not without its charms. Right. I mean, and you kind of make this kind yeah, of, yeah, but I don't, I, I, I wonder the question is, is that a saying even in French? Yeah, that's a good like, question. You know, right. Like what would it be like? L'angoisse n'est pas sans objet. Like that, like, I don't know if that's like a, I, yeah. I'm not sure if that's yeah. a, I'm mm-hmm. not, yeah. yeah. So that's a quite, I, but yeah, I think you're right. Like that whole sense of it is totally lost. Right. Mm. If that's true. If I mean, it, if it does or if he even cares and may, I mean, yeah. if he's maybe make, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I mean like that's one of those things where, so Hugh, you and I are working on a project about uh, mishearing like that, that all, like all hearing is mishearing, yeah. or you know, like, like, uh, and, it is one of like I think one of the interesting things that happens with the uh, Lacan translations that come out in English, which is like uh, it is very very difficult to get like what the the French thing to the English thing, and then sometimes like you know Jacques Alain Miller says like no this is the seminar, and like other people are like no no this is what he said. Right. So, but, so what I would say is that like probably not almost certainly not a phrase in French, like like the way that we say not without. Mm. Nevertheless, <laughs> I think there is something that we can do with like an, an English uh, 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 translation or working through with that idea. I just, I wondered to how close that gets to what Lacan means or, you know, like, are we, like if you say, like let's just, from one of your examples, if you say, if you change it uh, to, um, is that, Anxiety is not without a part of an object, or not without a partial object. Like, are yeah. we are we still saying what Lacan's saying, or are we say saying something? No, else? I think that I would argue that's Th- what he's that's saying. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe there is that collision then with mm-hmm. with the the sort of English phrasing, and then oh right, maybe, yeah, right. That yeah. does make sense. I mean, I think that 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 um, yeah, I feel like that 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 you know and that the, the the way in which that object becomes what the key is is the way, is the form that that object like it can't mm-hmm. take its like it doesn't have a form, right? Like because it's an object of nothing, mm-hmm. and so and it's, it's not secondary either. That's the, the change that Lacan makes. It's it like I mean like Joan Kopchak says that anxiety is prior to anything, right? Like you know, right. and that, and and I think like for it's a primary affect for Lacan, and I think for Freud and for everyone, it's a secondary. Mm-hmm. Like it comes. Well, I think he. Th- I think it's. I think you could even make the argument that it's the only affect. Yes, I think him. that's probably. I mean, it's yeah. the only affect. For one thing, it's certainly he does say. Uh, anxiety is the is the affect that doesn't lie. Yes, right. Like yeah, so that right. I think that's that's true. I mean, I, and I do think that I like I like this idea of its primacy, but I also think that there's a way in which anxiety is tied to enjoyment because mm-hmm. it's like there's a way in which it's the time in which we're most 
experiencing the 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 like what we're con- when that object is there we're experiencing the enjoyment of the other right mm-hmm. and so I feel like it's the time in which we're most I mean that's why it's suffocating like that when times when we were suffocated it's like it's the enjoyment of the other that's suffocating me yeah. which it was fascinating because I think like to to ride in the subway. In, the, in America is so different than to ride in the subway. I've never ridden in the subway in Tokyo. This is just what I hear. But sure. like they can be, like in Tokyo, you can be very proximate to people because you don't have this sense that like the other's enjoyment is intruding yeah. on me. Yeah. There's much more a sense of public space. And whereas in America, if you're, if you're crowded in the yeah. subway, you feel the others. You're next to a person you don't know. And there's, yeah. Even on a, yeah. even yeah. seated. Even, even seated, yeah. Even absolutely. seated, I'm yeah. like, can I find a place where there's not <laughs> yeah, going to yeah, be, yeah. make sure that no one's going to sit next to me. Yeah. So, I feel like that's the... Otherwise, I'll just stand sure. to avoid that anxiety of the proximity of the other. So I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. it is. T- there's this tie between enjoyment and anxiety, which interestingly is not there in CGI because I think watching a CGI film, I think it can be pleasing in some way, but it's mm-hmm. not an enjoy... I think there's a real mm-hmm. like positive enjoyment. So again, it's interesting the way in which you connect it to anxiety because it's also, there's some way in which maybe it's the disavowal that's at work mm-hmm. in cinema, but it does seem like there's no enjoyment there. Todd, mm-hmm. with what you just said, I wonder if, if you maybe say something about this, that in the example that you just gave, uh, like there's a sense of vulnerability needing to be there. Yeah. And maybe that's actually the missing term. Mm-hmm. Like there's no vulnerability with CGI. With CGI. Yeah. The yeah. film yeah. has no the yeah, film, the film has no vulnerability. Yeah. Really, but, and then and we you're as not, spectators are either. Yeah. Right? Like there's no I think one of the things you go to a Marvel film to feel is I know it's going to be safe. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You know, it's going to be PG-13 yeah. and it's going to be safe. Yeah. It won't hurt me. It's not going to hurt me. Yeah. But right. if you watch, you know, any film from from the 70s, you know, we're talking about the conversation, I, I mean, even like spectacular examples of 70s cinema, you know, you get the sense that this is, you know, succeeding and failing in equal measure. Like there, there's elements to the analog production that just sort of kind of don't do it in the yeah. way that you would yeah. hope. And, yeah. you know, I'll just give you the kind of, basic example of this that CGI completely surmounts, which is simple camera pans. You know, like pan heads on on uh, tripods stick. So, you know, the camera's moving and then jerk mm-hmm. and then yeah. jer- yeah. trying to follow yeah, something yeah, yeah. and it's jerking along. So yeah. that's the basic analog yeah. failure of right. of cinema mm-hmm. and CGI utterly, everything's smooth and swooping and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. And in some ways, it's that, it's that little catch or that little jerkiness that is the vulnerability of cinema. So mm-hmm. like I'm so it's with me, I'm with it and we're both kind of like failing our way through. Yeah, but see, isn't it what is an interesting to me is like so Gene Hackman's vulnerability in or Harry Call's vulnerability in conversation mm-hmm. and the vulnerability of, uh, signified by the analog filming mm-hmm. is like to me core, like both disappear in the Marvel film. Like yeah. the characters aren't vulnerable. Right. Even if they die, they're not vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And the 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 way that it's constructed through CGI shows that the way of making the film is not there's no vulnerability yeah. so it's like it's yeah. a kind of interesting parallel between in where we are with yeah. this kind of like absence of any vulnerability which is interesting because it's almost the opposite of the of contemporary social reality right? mm. where mm-hmm. where all anyone is is vulnerable yeah right like yeah. that's what we are we're like vulnerable subjects oh my god I, I'm gonna I don't know if I can walk out in the freezing rain yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Which I really, I mean, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, right? Like you're, you're like I'm victim. I'm vulnerable. I'm oh, don't if you have a cold, don't come near me. I'm constantly endangered. So I feel like that 
it's just fascinating that that it's like film like it's it's like we're in the 1930s in the depression and film is just off you know we're, it's all Bugsby Briz, Berkeley musicals right. you know <laughs> right. that are that are sort of inoculating the, us against the, yeah, the vulnerability yeah don't you think I right. mean I really feel like this is yeah. why this is why Alien ends with uh, the first one Alien with Sigourney Weaver singing You Are My Lucky Star the song that is the at the end of Singing in the Rain. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is 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 that like it's almost like like pushing back to put this vulnerability we'll back right into the yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. The one other thing I, I just wanted to quickly say is, you know, if Lacan is um you know, I think he makes the claim that along the lines of if you want to understand the concept of anxiety, read Freud on the uncanny. Right. right? So this yeah, is the crucial, yeah, the crucial and, of course uncanny valley the reason that that yeah. essay is taught today so prevalently is because of things like robotic CGI. You know, so people mm. who are interested in game design were mm. working to quote unquote surmount the uncanny valley. And there's this great YouTube clip where James Cameron just basically says point blank, "Yes, the motion capture we used for Avatar like gets us past the uncanny valley," which is a really weird claim mm. because you know the characters that we're seeing on screen. Are not human. They're not human. You know, they're so blue, that's the other end. They're you know distended, yeah. huge, and in some ways, like he does, he actually doesn't get. He doesn't understand. No, they're the just concept. pleasing because they got the big. Right. Yeah. They got the Although, big eyes and the cat nose. Like that's. I would want to defend Avatar uh, because I think on I th- I agree with you on the level of the form of the film and the way it's shot, but I think what's great about that film is it does introduce a rupture where we don't expect it, which is in the goddess or whatever she is, Ewa, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like, Natiri, Natiri says, uh, Zoe Saldana says to, says to the, to hero, like, Natiri never, we can't call on her to defend us because she never takes sides. She just holds this kind of balance. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all of a sudden, Ewa does take sides, like, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. fights against, and so I thought that was this great kind of point that this, some, this like earth mother who's supposed to like guard over like all of a sudden takes a side in the battle and so all of a sudden there's a cut where we didn't think there was a cut narratively mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. I think formally I think you're you're totally right that, that Cameron is guilty of that especially I mean even in Titanic he's guilty yeah. of it you mm-hmm. know like there's a, like we can like I mean he kind of wants to see everything like that's yeah. his like he went down in the That's thing. why he wanted to do it in the first place. Right, that's yeah. he went down in the yeah. little submersible to see Titanic himself because I think I want to see everything. So is that experience, I mean, is, is the experience we're talking about with CGI, Is because it doesn't strike me as uncanny in the way that, like right. a true, right. like the example I give in class of, uh, of the uncanny as I can remember, a real-life situation where I'm parked at a, an inter- intersection at a university and it's class change time, and I look across the street and there's a guy on the sidewalk who to my eye appears to have no legs below the knee and no sort of apparatus to help him get around and he's just sitting there on the sidewalk and I'm like why are these what's going on here yeah. I mean, the students are walking by like it's nothing right yeah. and when I turned the corner I realized it was a somebody working on electrical lines and his feet were down in the manhole <laughs> right nice. so that that moment to me, that was uncanny, mm. but that's nothing. No, like, I know, I know. Yeah. CGI cinema, right. CGI cinema is palliative. No, like I think that's. Like, I think here's why. I think it's because there's what just when you said there's like a perfection of the image. Yeah. There's no objet ah. So that's why I think in some sense it's not anxiety producing. I don't think it's just disavowal. I think it's the very absence of any kind of missing object that makes it boring. 
Yeah. Right? Like, that's yeah. what makes us... Like, if you go into a room and everything seems like there's nothing missing, yeah. it's boring. It's a boring yeah. room to go into. Yeah. So that's what... Yeah. I mean, I think CGI is like going into your bedroom. It's yeah. boring. Because yeah. there's... No one stole anything. Do you know... If someone stole something, it's all of a sudden exciting to so, go into your bedroom. So maybe for me, the anxiety is just flat out, you know, the prospect of going to see right. the boring thing. The boring and thing, yeah. In some yeah. sense, like, it's it's an anxiety about going and experiencing this too muchness that, that yeah. bores you. Yeah. There's a good... There's a very good recent example. Uh, Annihilation. I don't know if you know... I know you've seen the movie. But at the, at the end of the film, when... Uh, in this real like 2001 sequence when a person dies and explodes into energy and then turns into a person and you have Natalie Portman like sort of facing off with this like new being that's emerging. I don't know if you know this, but I thought watching the film, like the the whole point was that it was going to double her, that it was going to become Natalie Portman. It's a different actor. It's not her. It's someone, it's another, it's a name actor. My friend told me this. It's someone who looks a lot like her. But it's just it's it's and they they transition from CGI into this person who you think is Natalie Portman but is not, and it's that disquieting recurrence of the familiar, yeah. right? Which is like you know, and I think that's like a that's a really good yeah, very good recent example, the yeah. perfect example of the uncanny because yeah. that's the last thing you, you simply don't expect a major star to turn into someone who's not yeah, yeah. she's seen just before. a little yeah, and, and it's er- subtly off, but yeah, not totally off. And the earlier in the film, like this is another reason why you think it has to be her, but you're also like, well, but it, it really isn't. Is that like uh, Oscar Isaac He's also double. has a double, and it's just him twice. It's right. just yeah. his hair is slightly right. different. Right. I mean, right. in the right. film is like they're not trying to trick you right. or anything. Right. They make no, there's no right. point about right. it, but it's like this nice, this nice thing sort of at the end. So I'm that gonna say that's a great example yeah. of what CGI should be doing. So mm. that almost strikes me as if you think about um, uh, that obs- Boonwell's that obscure object, so, obscure of, object desire. of desire, yeah. where he uses alternate the same, same characters played by different actresses right, 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 in, yeah. in different sequences. Now that's a brilliant move. Yeah. If you think about like what he's doing there, somebody's got to have that idea at some point. He has that idea actually execute right. mm. it and people see it and it's it's a stunning thing but here you have CGI doing something that's similar because mm. obviously mm. when you're watching that film they're referring to this these different actors by the same name and at some point another great example this is the film Suture that film noir yeah, from yeah, that, 93 yeah, or whatever yeah. um, and so they're, they're treat you know this guy can't possibly be this other character because one character is white and the other character is black and they don't act like race they act like race is nothing right. Yeah. Yeah. right the film is literally colorblind yeah. and, which is right. w- really odd to watch yeah it's and hard so, to watch yeah. and I think but this is a case where CGI makes that bridge and I just mm. think that, that like what you're describing I haven't seen it yeah no I, I should see it yeah. but that, that's a really strange kind of New ver- new way to do that. That's an. I think that's a good right. use of scene. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, So more of that, please. More of yeah. that, please. <laughs> well, let's uh, on that note. That on our on our uh, on that note, yeah, more of annihilation, please. Uh, thank you so much for listening uh, to this uh, new sort of format. Well, I mean, hopefully it, we it, can do it another time. Yes, but it'll, great. It's it's a it's a one off. It's now. a one off. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the yeah. rupture <laughs> in the smooth yeah. uh, functioning of how our podcast <laughs> can go. Great. And so. now I'll say, Ryan, over and out. Over and out. Yeah. <laughs>